You're listening to the Look Right Naked podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bach. This is the podcast for men and women who want to look right naked without living in the gym. If that sounds like you, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hey, Eric Bach here. Welcome to the Look Right Naked podcast. And today I'm thrilled to bring my guest from across the pond, Garrett Sapstead, Elite Physique Training. And what we're going to do today... Garrett is an elite level physique specialist, published author, and founder of Elite Physique Training. And his work can be found, of course, on Instagram, but also on T Nation, Men's Health, Muscle and Fitness, Generation Iron, and about any other place where you would find elite level training information. Garrett, thank you so much for making time in your busy schedule to be here. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. You know, obviously, as we were chatting before this podcast, we're, we're, we're both kind of busy guys. Um, you know, we've got clients to coach, but also, you know, kids to kids to train and coach as well in our own way at the same time. So, you know, life, life's busy, but but all good. And, and you know, I, I think both for both of us, are, our paths are very similar. We have similar philosophies. You know, we're, we're both parents. You know, we, we both kind of run online coaching businesses. So it'd be good just to kind of have a conversation about things that we agree on, disagree on, or, or, or whatever. Definitely. And one thing we were talking about before is you know, managing workflow. And you know, one of the battles is, especially as a business owner, and many of our clients can relate, whether they are business owners, whether they are just working in a business and have kids and all these different responsibilities, is when your structure of your day changes, it's being able to go with the flow and still making the things that are important the priority. And so you know, for you, you've got a little one. I mean, what has it been like adapting your training since becoming a, a parent roughly you know, 20 months ago? Yeah, good question. This this is something I was speaking with my partner about. Actually, she um, she might see things a little bit differently than what I do, but the way I see things with regards to training, like I don't know about you, but I'm a better person if I work out. So you know, if I'm a better person, I'm a better person for my kids, the rest of my family. You know, I'm a better person for the dog. While some people might see the maybe quote unquote selfish thing. You know, just as an example, so before my little one, Harvey, his name is, before he was born, I used to like training at like 10, 11 a.m. The gym was super quiet, really great time. I think the only people that trained in the gym that I go to at that time were personal trainers anyway. So it's a really easy time to train. Since him, you know, I've changed my own schedule. So it works around him. So I drop him off at nursery school at 8.30 a.m. And then I train straight after that come home, dog walk, and then my, my work day begins. So, you know, it, I'm still getting my workout in. It's still kind of scheduled within my diary for that day, but obviously it, it, it's adapted to, according to him. So that, that's kind of really how I've been doing things. And, you know, on, on that note, you're the same, you know, we, we're both business owners. We both train, we both like to stay in shape. And there's so many people out there that kind of use that whole, but you're a trainer or you're a coach. Um, kind of thing is, you know, that that's why you're in shape. Regardless, we're still working full time. We're still busy people, but we prioritize training, right? It's, it, it's towards the top of our list because we know how it, how it benefits us. So Garrett, tell me about your transition into being an online coach, because a lot of people are interested in the online coaching aspects, how to build a big profile, how to stand out, how to have the freedom, the flexibility, all the benefits that do come with becoming an online coach. But you cut your teeth helping people kick ass in the real world as well. Talk about that transition for us. Um, yeah, it was kind of really natural, the online coaching thing, really. My background actually is more as a strength and conditioning coach. I originally qualified as a strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, my master's degree was based in, in strength and conditioning. I originally had the idea of working with professional rugby players and, and um, you know, especially soccer athletes. Doing some internships and working with those kinds of people. At the same time, to cut a story short, to pay my way through college, I was personal training at the same time as doing strength and conditioning based stuff. 
And then when it came to doing the strength and conditioning stuff, paid for long-term internships and things like that, I actually figured out that I enjoyed the people that just want to look great naked, you know, um, training them more than I actually did the athletes. The athletes weren't so much interested in getting results in the gym as they were getting results on, on the field. And they kind of saw what you do as like a secondary to the stuff that they were doing on the field and, and, and their training there. So I just enjoyed getting great results, you know, in, in the gym with a lot of my personal training clients. And that started 16 years ago go also transition to, to different gyms from big box gyms to private gyms owned a gym at one point or co-owned a gym at one point getting great results with people and then at the same time what I was doing so the natural transition really came about through I was doing a lot of article writing at the time um you know some, some websites that actually don't exist today um that are that old doing stuff on my own private blog and uh, you know, I wasn't writing for T, T Nation back then I think for only the last four years I've been doing some stuff for them more consistently but naturally as I was writing more I was starting to get more online inquiries I didn't really have much of a social media presence I didn't really I didn't have an Instagram I didn't have a Facebook until probably 2015 16 I was quite late to the game with Facebook um just not a big fan of social media so most of my stuff more came through inquiries from people that were reading my articles reaching out by email reaching out by my website my blog things like that I then needed a way of of, of taking those clients on board and then obviously just naturally over time you know improve my systems how I coach people online um, you know going from you know pieces of paper or pdf um, and excel spreadsheets to you know, I use a coaching app now, so it's a lot easier and just my systems are, are a lot more efficient. So now really the last two years, I've only been doing online coaching. So um, all of my clients are online now. The only actually in-person coaching that I do these days are more like guest coaching sessions. So, you know, recently come back from Colorado Springs where we did like a week of intensive training camp. Um, my next one that's currently booked, uh, I haven't put it out there, there yet on social media. Um, yeah, so this is kind of exclusive. My next one is in March. Um, in um, I'm in Reno, uh, in Nevada. I'm in Vegas before that for a few days. Then I'm going to Reno. Um, so that's really the only in-person coaching that I do nowadays. The rest of it's all online. I mostly work with you know high-level competitors, IFBB pros, mostly females, figure, wellness, bikini, some guys, um, and then others are. So I have non-disclosure agreements with um, various people for movie roles and tv and things like that so i also work with those people that are more like i call them like intensive transformations yeah. really to, to be brutally honest it's intensive transformations that aren't necessarily realistic for most people <laughs> so for people that have a lot of time to put into that you know have their meal prep all done for them that kind of thing um and uh, tend to rebound a little bit more once they've finished that because you know we've, we've been quite intense with those transformations and then obviously as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast um, elite physique training that's my online coaching brand so i have coaches that work for me or as, as part of that elite physique training brand and then they work with clients that i don't really so they work with more uh lifestyle clients uh they work with more more males um that, than what i do 
I'm probably 90% female orientated uh, with a lot of my clients, the 10% coming from more the, the actors movie, movie roles and things like that. So we, we kind of talking about the transition, the more and more time I've spent doing online coaching, the more I've really just nailed down my avatar slash the people I like working with. So the people I like working with has naturally just become to the people I just advertise working with a little bit more. Whereas Elite Physique Training as a brand in general advertises with with, with working with everyone. You know what I find so interesting, and I've, I've had many of these conversations, the best coaches have been really good coaches in person and have that huge foundation of knowledge and experience, right? Because when it comes to the online space, and this is something I've really realized, you know, for the vast majority of people, like you have to be really dialed in in terms of movement progressions and regressions, really knowing, you know, by seeing a little video of what people are doing to make slight tweaks to make sure that people are safe. And by and large, a lot of people aren't quite as advanced as they think they are in terms of their movement patterns. And so like, being able to both clearly and concisely communicate what you're doing and why throughout the entire process, which is a skill you have to hone when you have somebody directly in front of you as a coach, is absolutely crucial online to help put people in the safest environment so you can really take them where they want to be. I would like to know, you know, with a background in strength and conditioning, because I'm very similar, you know, I mean, you're, you know, focused on rugby and what soccer, what we call it here, obviously. Um, and I was, you know, I love football and hockey. Like those are a lot of the areas that I focused a lot of my strength and conditioning work on. Um, it made a similar transition, but like, how do you think that foundation of understanding like the performance side of things has really helped you help other people create like the physique that they want? Because I feel like there's a lot of times a disconnect where it's like, oh, I just want to look a certain way versus I want to perform a certain way. Whereas I think we're both in alignment that physique and being able to perform aren't mutually exclusive. There are differences, but they're not mutually exclusive goals. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing I've got, and it's, it's whether that be working with, um, you know, high performance people at the start, you know, working with division one rugby teams and, and football teams and things like that, as well as spending a lot of time on the gym floor, what both are things enabled me to do which i think a lot of online coaches nowadays aren't getting because they're not spending time on the gym floor anywhere near as much if anything you've got so many problems thrown at you on a day-to-day -day basis so many little tweaks you're having to make so many things you're hearing so many adjustments that you're having to make so your job becomes very much like a problem solver, right? You know, you get to see, for example, every injury going. You get to see the client come in um, on a Monday that feels absolutely horrific after the weekend. You see the client come in on a, on, a, on a Tuesday having, I don't know, played a few days beforehand and feel absolutely broken. You get the client come in Wednesday who just, you know, woke up with a bad back or whatever. You, you're always having to adapt on the fly so that's one thing i think people aren't getting nowadays online coaches aren't getting nowadays they're kind of not getting those you know reps under the bar quote unquote with people where they're having to constantly problem solve and find solutions so what happens is you you end up getting coaches that aren't as empathetic with the client situation aren't necessarily going to be adapting things as much as what they should be with that client don't have an answer to you know to, to the problem you know don't know how to solve that problem so again a lot of that come about when it comes to work with high performance people the reality is even people that are high performance people let's say you're you know elite level rugby player they still want big guns they still want i don't know they still want big pecs whatever they still also have to develop 
muscle tissue, especially in the off that's season, armor. because that's that's the padding, right? That's the stuff that's gonna this armor. That's the stuff that's gonna make you more injury resilient. The reality is, you, you just can't build that much muscle tissue because there's only so much of a window throughout the year to actually be able to do that in. And for the and for the rest of the year, the reality is, you're training them just to make sure that they're able to play at the weekend, to keep them injury free, and to make sure they're able to play at the weekend, and that their their performance is 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 as good as it is. You know, you. you you can learn a lot of lessons from training those high performance people in, in terms of you know what they want to achieve. Um, and you can translate that over to more that the look great naked people. For example, I just posted today uh, something about a client who just did a basically a transformation, 16 week transformation. OK, came from a CrossFit background, very performance based background, very much into his numbers, very much into how much he was deadlifting, how much he was squatting, how much he was bench pressing. Now, that's all performance related stuff. Okay. Now he wanted uh, like a, it was a 16 week transformation in the end for a photo shoot. And I had to make it very clear from the get go that those exercises probably were not going to be the best fit for him during that phase of his training, especially more towards the back end. He's calorie depleted. We've got to make sure uh, low injury risk with certain exercises and, and, and things like that. That's besides the conversation of, are those exercises great for building muscle? We'll, we'll put that aside for a second. But anyway, he's still performance related. So even when, we, when, when we're doing um, more hypertrophy and fat loss related programming, there's still an element from him that wants to do the performance related stuff. So we're still sprinkling in some of that stuff or even masking body composition related stuff as being performance related stuff just to kind of sell him on the program a little bit. As well, another thing, when you're trying to lose body fat and retain muscle, one of the best things you can do is try and strive for increases in strength. So technically there, we're trying to strive for a performance increase, even when we're in a caloric deficit. So again, there's lessons you can learn from from training high performance people that you can kind of transition over to those, um, you know, to, to those physique related people. Yeah, that's people absolutely well huge. Time. Absolutely huge. And, you know, a key thing that you mentioned was when you're working with an athlete, you have a very short window of time in which to impart a performance increase. And one thing that kind of pushed you into more of the online, the physique aspect was when you are training an athlete, their goal is to improve the ability to do the sport. And I think a lot of people get confused when they see like athletic training things, you know, you see what like different coaches, some random person who goes to the gym a few days a week is criticizing what somebody's doing with an athlete. Well, what you have to understand is when the average person goes to the gym, or even when you're going for physique, like the main thing is going to the gym for the athlete. This is a 25% piece of the puzzle related to everything else. And so I remember back, you know, seeing like these NFL groups that we had, you know, working in the gym and like so much of it would be, we want to abbreviate this movement pattern because we want to eliminate some of the joint stress that's happening here because we also have two additional training sessions that are going on, or we're doing a partial range of motion here and we're limiting it because if we look at the research when it comes to force development and like a vertical jump, you don't really need a full depth squat, especially if somebody's got eight years of an NFL career on their body. And that's just going to lead to more joint stress and impact the rest of their training. I think from the consumer perspective of being able to see what you're doing and somebody who gets a lot of shit for this is Joel Seedman. And I'm not here to, I was just going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. And so like, do I agree with everything he does? No, I've had a couple conversations with him. He's a very nice guy. Um, some of the stuff I'm like, I don't agree with, but at the same time, I also understand it from a risk reduction perspective based on a physiological goal of trying to, 
to apply. What I mean to really extrapolate from all that is like, when you're looking at the way that athletes train, there's a lot more to it than really meets the eye. And so much of it is on how can we activate the central nervous system, build and maintain strength, do it through a movement pattern that's not going to cause injuries versus like, let's take a squat to a full depth because there's going to be maximum stretching in the glute compared to when you're in a shortened range of motion, which is going to be better for body composition. Very different things. And so being able to understand the nuances when you're either consuming content or when you're transitioning from becoming an athlete, like a lot of my clients have been competitive athletes now they just want to look like they lift a little bit more it's like we can take some of the same things yeah we want to get some some strength work to be able to maintain as much strength and therefore maintain as much lean muscle mass while cutting down but there are nuances and changes that have to happen it's a really unique thing it can be very difficult to explain to people the differences of it but hopefully between your explanation and, and kind of what i sprinkled in makes makes a little bit more sense it's i, th I think you picked up a good point there as well with regards to social media and again yeah Joel Seidman is a good example we're not seeing the entirety of the programming we're not seeing what else he's doing with his athlete we're just seeing and, and you and I both know what gets the most engagement on social media is what's different right <laughs> how can you stand yes. out he is a master at standing out right <laughs> he must have a, a really hard shell because I, I genuinely don't think he cares what he puts out. He gets so much backlash. But again, the reality is we don't know what else he's programming for those people. He might, you know, he's doing loads of, let's say, he's the guy doing the BOSU ball squat curl kind of stuff. Fine. That might have just been a little bit of fun towards the back end of a workout. He might have started out with some heavy back squats and some, I don't know, bench presses and some chin-ups or whatever. We don't know that. When you're a personal trainer as well, when I was a young personal trainer in a gym, I would look at other people's workouts or I would look at other personal trainers training their clients and in my head actually criticize them a little bit, right? Why are they doing totally. that? Why are they doing totally. that? Okay. Even if form was great, it's like, well, that's not a great exercise. Why are you doing that? There's a better option. The reality is you don't know that client. You don't know that person you don't know the rest of the programming and again you and i both know that we've often given things to clients just for the simple fact that they enjoy it and if they enjoy yes. it then they're going to stick to it and they're going to you get better results from their program as well so we've got to be careful especially you know social media stuff we see in person if we don't know the reality of things then we, we, we can't really criticize too much. And another point I'd like to make, going back to your squat analogy, work with um, American football players, same with, similar with rugby players, right? It's, it's a collision sport, right? It's not a contact sport, it's a collision sport. They're beating the heck out of each other. The, the contact that they're getting is, is crazy. They're basically getting into car crashes every single weekend, okay? And during training. If I said to you, I don't barbell back squat, with my rugby players. Well, why don't you barbell back squat? It's a great exercise. <laughs> you can you know, develop, you know, develop glute, quad strength, whatever, improve rep force development, blah, 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 blah. If I said to you instead, okay, I, I think for rugby players, a, a belt squat is a better exercise for them, then most people would be like, you know, why? Um, or, uh, you know, I, I don't believe that. I think a back squat is a better example, blah, a better exercise, blah, blah, blah. But again, the reality of the situation, we just, and again, this isn't necessarily something I believe in. I don't necessarily believe that inherently a belt squat is better for a rugby player or an American football player than a, a back squat, a barbell back squat. If we're thinking about offsetting load and the amount of context that, contacts they have on their shoulders and hits they're taking, saving the back, etc. Well, 
maybe during the season when they're getting a lot of contact, actually, belt squat is a far better lower body you know, leg builder than a barbell back squat. Again, you know, everything can be the best as long as you understand what that situation is at the time, you know, and, and, and everyone else has to understand that situation as well to understand why it is the best. Yeah, and that's such a, that's, a, that's something that's only really learned, I think, through a lot of experience and hands-on both personally and with other people, even myself, right? Like I still have the natural inclination where I would love just to squat, deadlift, do all the stuff heavy that I did as an athlete, right? Like mentally, that's incredibly engaging. And I also realize like for the goals that I have right now, Sometimes, for example, a bell squat feels a lot better than a heavy front squat because as some spinal decompression, I can get enough load, but because I'm not worried about a million different things, I can really hone in on, hey, I want to target my quads a little bit. We're going to adjust my stance. We're really going to focus on tempo. Being able to apply the nuance to what we do is really how we elevate our own training. Then, of course, if you're a trainer, being able to apply those same principles to the people that are in front of you. One more kind of point on this on this topic before we move ahead. You know, I think one of the biggest issues that, that we see is like, so many people gather a lot of surface level knowledge, like just the general person who's going to the gym now. They gather a lot of knowledge, which is great, but I don't think they have the wisdom to always apply it in the right sense based on what they're seeing. And so you see even more so like a hypercritical environment based on what everybody does, where people are quick to judge rather than ask questions about the what and the why, right? And I think that's always an important perspective to have. Don't be judgmental, be curious and be like, why are you doing it like this? And that's the way that we learn and become so much better for everybody across the board. Um, and frankly, it'll make your social media experience much more enjoyable when you're looking at something that raises questions. Just on that point, I've always been a very big fan, even from the early days of, of, of coaching in person, of you must be able to justify everything that you're giving. Okay, every exercise, every set, every rep, you've got to be able to justify that as a trainer. If you're giving exercises, we're kind of, I suppose, in our conversation, giving permission for people to try different exercises with, with with clients, which which is great, right? You've got to experiment. You've got to see what works best for that person. But at the same time, if you can't justify what you're giving that person, then there's no point in using it. You know, there are certain exercises that I very rarely, if ever, have programmed just because there's always a better exercise. There's always a better option to use. But as I said, that, that's my main point, really, is that you know, if, if you're giving something that's different or experimented, just make sure you can justify what you're using. Again, Joel Seedman, hate to pick on him. He's a super smart dude. I think he could probably justify just about everything that he uses as, as, as stupid as it might look to us, which can also be a problem. But yeah, that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, you know, I mean, you made me think about something. Um, I remember I was probably 25 or 26. I was working um, working for Lauren Landau, who was later the strength coach of the, the Denver Broncos, runs a world-class facility back in, in Denver, Colorado. This is one of the first training sessions I was doing when I was working for him. And I had somebody who we originally had like a, a barbell push press plans and I'm like, it doesn't look good. We took it down. We did like a, you know, we did like one or two reps. I'm like, let's kill that. Let's try with dumbbells. Mm. Nope, too much lumbar hyperextension going overhead. And finally, we regressed it all the way down to like a half kneeling single arm press. And what really stuck with me, like Lauren came up after it. He's like, interesting. Why did you pick that exercise? Right. And he made me explain the rationale behind it. And he's like, awesome. Yeah. Look, that totally makes sense. Right. And so in a case like that, it's like, okay, well, if we can't go overhead without compensating for the lumbar spine because we have poor thoracic mobility, like let's try to eliminate that part and see if thoracic mobility improves by itself with a half kneeling press. And so it's yeah. like just learning how to, Again, 
when you see it mentally to be able to progress or regress an exercise based on the movement pattern that you see, it just builds that skill set where you can get a video from an online client and be like, this is what's going on here. This is where we need to make an adjustment. And there's no way to build that experience that quickly without being in person. I think that's such an important aspect when you apply all of these principles together. Exactly. As you say, you know, that, that's a process that can happen quite quickly in person. You know, you can change one exercise and regress it to another, regress it to another, regress it to another, you know, within the case of a few minutes. That isn't something as an online coach you can really do. You can kind of jump those stages having had the experience yourself at, at doing that in person and find that solution quite quickly. Yeah. I mean, I found that we do a movement analysis for everybody that comes in and, you know, for the most part, Almost everybody's regressed off the level that they think they need to be in the very beginning. So we can just improve a few things and that makes it so much better. And now in terms of like the training side of things for you, for you Garrett, like let's talk about building that elite level physique just a little bit more. And, you know, something we were riffing on before was like, there's so much, so many people focus purely on, on muscle size or on just getting to a certain level of leanness. But I think what a lot of people miss from the picture is symmetry. And having that symmetry is absolutely crucial when it comes to building the body that you want. Can you expand on that just a little bit more? Yeah. So as you know, I, I, coach a lot of competitors competitors aren't judged on how much they weigh judged on their own thoughts of how they look in the mirror and whether they think they've got big shoulders big legs whatever they're judged by someone else's perception of their physique based on uh, an idea about what they should look like depending on the division that they're in right a um, a female wellness competitor should look in a certain way a bikini competitor should look in a certain way a figure competitor a bodybuilder whatever they should look a certain way according to some criteria certain divisions less so wellness but other divisions are very much about upper lower body symmetry so you know when you mention symmetry it's not just about uh, i don't know your left bicep being as big as your right it's about, you know, your legs, for example, and, and glutes looking in proportion to your upper body, according to, to what they're trying to trying to see. You, you know, I both know about newbie gains and, you know, what we probably understand about newbie gains. We, we wish we'd applied more when we were at that phase ourselves, you know, because you can achieve so much in just in your first few years of training by just sticking to the basics and keeping things simple. Now, unfortunately, when we first start training, we, we always bias certain things. Guys, they always bias building a bigger chest, building bigger arms. They don't necessarily focus on things like their leg, their back, etc. So what actually happens over time, by the time I take control of people and they're, they're years into their training, I, I don't train newbies. Um, when they're years into their training, they've kind of developed these upper lower asymmetries, these, you know, anterior to, to posterior chain kind of asymmetries. So it always tends to be those areas, back, glutes, legs. Definitely, right? Like if you've had unbalanced training for years, often it takes an unbalanced approach to get you back into balance. You know, that's, it, it's an interesting concept to think about, right? And so let's take the average guy, right? The average guy that you're working with, let's say, say they've been training for 10 years. They're in good shape. They go in the gym. They're probably in the top five, 10 physiques in a, in a pretty well-developed gym. What are the biggest things that you notice, particularly, you know, with men, both from a symmetry perspective, but also like from that performance and health perspective that you have a background on? Like, are you spending more time? Hey, we have to spend more time building up your, you know, horizontal rowing movement patterns to build up your traps, rhomboids and deltoids to support your shoulders and, and build more of a V taper. Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so what I tend to see is not it's not the same with everyone. What I tend to see are uh, from most guys kind of with that level of experience, they tend to have decent pecs, great pecs, or at least great pecs as compared to their back, 
They tend to have better quads over their hamstrings. They tend to have okay shoulders, but they tend to also at the same time have shoulder issues, sometimes low back issues, oftentimes knee issues, elbow issues, you know, even if it's a little bit of uh, tendonitis in their elbows, a little bit of tennis elbow um, or golfer's elbow, that's quite a common thing to see. It's kind of a bit of a, a management thing of, of managing those issues that they have, the, the, the pain and things that they're feeling, um, at the same time as trying to build up those, those areas that they're lacking. So we look at that same person, they've got well-developed pecs but their backs in horrific shape they probably have shoulder issues anyway so the thing that's probably going to put their shoulder back in a nice position gliding nicely is to basically you know play put more focus on horizontal pulling motion you and i both know that you know building a wider back building your lats your lats act as an internal rotator of your shoulders so that's not doing anything to help pull your shoulders back and put you in a nice position you know so it's not just as simple as trying to build your back to combat your your pecs and your kind of your gorilla your your ape posture that you're probably walking around with it's as you said it, it's more horizontal work so we might be doing like a, a two to one to three to one ratio of horizontal pulling work to 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 pec focused pressing work um same with your lower body if you've got knee issues then most of the time people with knee issues i see a massive difference or, or strength difference between quadriceps to hamstrings or at least a ratio of quadriceps focused exercises to hamstrings focused exercises that they're using so the easiest thing you can do is rather than think about what corrective exercise should we do let's try and sprinkle in some fancy exercises to correct our knee and blah 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 all this stuff easiest thing you can do is start just to simply improve your hamstring strength and again, that might be as simple as starting your workouts with some hamstring curls before you go on to squats, leg presses, things like that. So you've prioritized your hamstrings. You're working them whilst you're fresh. You're warming up your knees as well before you're going into heavy knee bend, quads focus stuff as well at the same time. And then it at least puts you on a, on, a, on a positive note at the start of that workout to make sure that the rest of the workout is a good kind of ratio of hamstring or posterior chain dominant to, to anterior, anterior chain dominant stuff as well it's sometimes a lot simpler than what people think and a lot of people look to look towards corrective exercises when they're dealing with pain when oftentimes it's kind of aligned with that physique development side of things and, and bringing up a lagging muscle if you bring up the lagging muscle both strength and hypertrophy then you'll you'll tend to just you know feel better by doing it anyway a really nice thing I heard a number of years ago, I think it came from, I think it was a Joe DeFranco quote, okay? And it's a really good one for, for men who, you know, let's be honest, most men like to have a big bench press. And I think the quote was something as simple as, train your chest like a powerlifter and train your back like a bodybuilder, all right? Yeah. <laughs> for pressing work, lower volume, you know, strict form, you focus on may maybe that lower rep range that's going to help improve strength. And, and, and all that stuff as well but you're not necessarily building up your pecs anymore when you're at that level but you're spending a lot more time hitting some volume for your back than you are the, the pressing motion you know that that rule might not be true for everyone and that's not necessarily to say that everyone should be barbell bench pressing that rule can apply to a, a dumbbell bench press or some i don't know push-ups if you wanted it to you know i think it's a really nice rule to think about in terms of you know the, the ratio and the, the kind of volume and, and how you see pushing definitely and you know what like a lot of guys 
we can say don't barbell bench until we're you know blue in the face, but the reality is they're gonna they're gonna fucking do it. So you know sometimes coaching is like taking what exactly you have like going on and then continuing to roll from that point, right? Awesome, Garrett. This has been incredibly insightful. It's been great to hear about your first your personal journey, uh, but also your wisdom and experience working with so many different people. Thank you, brother. We're gonna have to get another uh, another episode going. This was fantastic. Thank you. Hey, it's Eric here again. Now, there are three ways that I can help you look great naked. Number one, if you want to grab a free copy of the Look Great Naked Protocol to help you lose body fat without counting calories, then go to bachperformance.com backslash free training. Number two, if you're a busy guy looking to build muscle, then I recommend checking out our Minimalist Muscle Blitz, which has helped over 1,000 men build muscle without living in the gym. Just go to minimalistmuscleblitz.com. The link will also be available in the show notes. Or number three, and last, if you want to work with me directly and get the best results possible, apply at bachperformance.com backslash coaching to look great naked without living in the gym. Until next time, my friend.